Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I have a, a dynamic lady. I've just been recently following her on, on Twitter. You can follow her as well. I'll, I'll fill you in on how to do that. But she is an artist and an author. Her books, Mike and Me, A Guide to Caring for the Grieving, and her second book, the follow-up to that, After Mike and Me, From Mourning to Joy. She also has a book of her paintings, and she's going to talk about all that. But you can find her right here this morning, right now, on the Intentional Encourager podcast and that is my guest, Anita Burkett. Anita, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing very well. I thank you for the invitation to join you. It is my pleasure. See, I was wondering a little bit, folks, and I got a full disclosure here. You know, you know your host here. I, I will tell you when I mess up. I will tell you when I do things incorrectly. There's two ways to pronounce her last name. Her, her last name is spelled B-U-R-K-E-T-T. -T. Now, I have heard there was a baseball player years ago. His name was John Burkett, and he spelled his last name the same way, B-U-R-K-E-T-T. -T. But being that I'm living in West Virginia, I put the hillbilly to it and said Burkett. So which way is correct, Anita? I prefer Burkett. <laughs> Burkett it is. So there you go. See, yes. I put the hillbilly to it. So that was that was my fault. Living in West Virginia. See, we, our dialect up here, you, you know, we we will, you know, there's there'll be some people, you know, the the older generation will say, well, we're fixing to do this or we're fixing to do that. That's a real popular thing up here in West Virginia. But I, I apologize. I put the hillbilly to it. So it's Burkett. So thank you for correcting me. I appreciate that. <laughs> You didn't have to do that. Believe me, we've got things in common. I'll just say a person I used to know called, says it that way. That's why I prefer the opposite way. <laughs> well, listen, you, you know, I have been called Brian or Brian. You know, that a lot of, a lot of people like to pronounce my first <laughs> name Brian, like, like Pickle Brian, you know, and, it, you know, whatever. <laughs> just, you know, just don't call me late for supper. That's all I've got to say. So. But I feel, I feel you, Anita. Let's start here. I, I want to get your perspective on the last 18 to 20 months. I know what's happened here in West Virginia around the pandemic. And I ask this question to start every podcast because I want to I get a glimpse of the, the perspective and a glimpse into your world the last 18 to 20 months. I know what a state like West Virginia, I know what's happened with us. In my church, we had... Uh, at one time last summer, our, our church here in West Virginia made national news because we had about 30 people with co that had COVID-19. And so we were, we were trying to deal with it and, and make sure, and all of them recovered. And we're very, very thankful for that. We didn't lose a person out of that. We we're grateful for that. But I want to know your perspective and kind of personally and things like that. What's a lesson that you've taken away from the last 18 to 20 months around what we've gone through in this country? 
It makes me appreciate more going to church in person, getting to hug the sisters again and shaking hands occasionally, going down to the front and praying with people. Uh, we have bounced back quite a bit, but not, you know, all the way, still trying to be trying to be careful in ways, but I'm thankful to not have to uh, breathe through a mask. <laughs> I'm just very thankful for the freedom that we have to do the things that we want to do, which is, of course, go to church in person. Did you notice anything differently in your in your community? Because I know here we had people, and, and I was at, uh, and, we'll say, and, and I'll say it like this. So, so in, in West Virginia, we would say it like this. I was at the Walmarts the other day. That's how we say it up here. That's it, not how I say it, but it's how people that I, that I live among say it. I was at Walmart the other day, just doing some, some shopping and, and we don't notice it up here, but people are still wearing masks and that's okay. You, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, it's fine. You know, and we still have people that come to, to church and wear masks and it's perfectly fine. We, we, you know, we, we don't judge, we don't condescend or anything like that. Did you notice anything different in your community as you were out shopping or as you were out among your community? What did you notice around your, your community in Arkansas um, that was different or, or was there anything around about your community in that time that just struck you, struck a chord with you or, or struck you a certain way? Well, there were people that didn't wear a mask while I was. And of course there were people that were getting too close, but now I'm not really concerned about that. Not as much at all. I mean, I go in Walmart and I don't wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And if there was somebody, you know, that I see that I would want to talk to, I wouldn't be concerned about if I was six feet away from them. I do wonder if I'm aggravating other people by getting too close, like that would have done me, you know, way back there. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I understand that because you said something a minute ago that, that I love and I, I relate to and, and connect with is that I'm so used to greeting people that I know and love with a hug. You know, I'm, I am so used to doing that people we go to church with. It's nothing for me to hug 50 people on a Sunday. It's, it's nothing just because that's the way I greet. And, and it was almost kind of like, and I don't know how it was there, but it was, it almost felt at times like people were like, I just hold up, but we, we, we just didn't know how to react and act and, and things like that. You mentioned the, the getting back to in-person church services. What did that do for your, your body of believers in your community? Because I know what it did for us when we were able to come back together, we were having separate services. Our pastor was trying to be very careful and cautious because of what had happened in our church. What was it like for, for you and your, your body of believers when, when you finally just all came together and, and just said, we're, we're going to worship the way we want to worship and do the things that we want to do? Was there a comfort to that in your mind and your spirit? Yes, I, I think it made us all closer together. And 
I just enjoyed being around people. I love it. I love it. And Anita, what I wrote down there was the power of coming together, the power of being together. Let me go here for just a second. When when we talk about, and, and I want to I want to kind of frame this because, folks, if if you haven't gathered, Anita and I are both Christians. We are part of the same denominal beliefs. We're both apostolic Pentecostal Christians. And so again, I want to frame that around the perspective that we're talking this morning. But I think it's a universal truth is, is the coming together of people of like-mindedness of, of like what the Bible calls like precious faith. And it doesn't matter what kind of church you go to. I had somebody ask me one day, they said, how is it that you're such good friends with somebody that goes to a Baptist church or somebody goes to a Met? And I said, that's easy. We talk about things that we have in common. You know, I can, we can talk about the Lord. We have that in common. They read the same King James Bible I read. You know, it's, 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 it's just, we have a difference of opinion on doctrinal things, but we can agree on the, the commonality. Let's go here for just a second. When you think about commonality in, in your little, in your community, and I, and I want to get your perspective there because I don't live, I don't live where you live. You don't live where I live. When you think about that, are we, do you feel like we're getting to the point and here's where I want to go with this and forgive me for the long winded question. The Bible says in the book of Acts that they had all things common. And I feel like at some point during the pandemic last year, we started to get back to that all things common where we were checking in on each other, where we were just, even if we couldn't be together, we were still checking in on each other. I know in our church, we had several large text chains and Facebook chains and things like that, where we were just checking in on each other. Did you see that in your community within your church? How did you guys, how did you guys come together when you couldn't come together? Well, I had forgotten about this, but you reminded me of this church secretary, I guess you could call her. She called me and I do send out cards to different people, birthday cards, mostly uh, before the pandemic. But during this, she had a list of people that she wanted me to call. And I don't remember exactly, you know, what I was, oh, I was supposed to explain how that we were going to have church online. There wasn't going to be many people, you know, in the congregation, I think 20 in the beginning or something like that. Anyway, she had me to reach out to them. And uh, I know my pastor did a lot of phone calls. I, I'm sure I don't know everything that went on. I'm sure I, I'm sure I won't, but I did call people myself. What did you, when you were, were doing that, and, and I know everybody handles that differently, you, you know, and I, and I love that ministry there of sending cards to people on their birthday and things like that. That's such an important ministry because, you know, now people get the sense of, okay, somebody outside my family is thinking about me or, and, and it really ties into encouragement. So I appreciate you sharing that when you were calling people. I know what it might have done for them. What did you discover that calling people and picking up the phone and reaching out, what did it do for you? How did it encourage you in those times? I got lonely during those times. I'll just be honest. 
And uh, it really made me feel good to be t reaching out to the people. It made me feel like that I was doing something. I felt like that I was being used. Wow. wow. And there is one person that was the last time that I got to talk to her. She passed away. I'm not sure how long after that. So that will always be a lasting memory that we got to talk that last time, you know, not knowing, of course, what was going to happen. Man. And that's something that's a memory that you can take with you. And, and I appreciate you sharing that because I've told my family and I, and I want to say this publicly because I've said it privately is that I feel like that every day that we live, because I know it from my own personal experience, losing my dad very suddenly, like I lost my dad. My dad was a pastor and lost my dad very, I talked to my dad at four o'clock on a Wednesday and the next morning he was gone. And so you, you, you think about that and, and I've shared this with my family. I want to share it publicly on this, in this conversation, because I think it fits so beautifully is that I don't care who you are, what you believe or how you believe. You need to be ready to meet your maker. You need to be ready to meet the Lord because it's clear that, that through this pandemic, Anita, and, and I'll get your thoughts around that before we take a quick break, is that people have gotten this, this virus, went into the hospital, and didn't make it out. And there have been some that have went in the hospital and came out and they were they were fine and things like that. You you just never know. When you think about that conversation with that that person that you talked to for the last time, was it was there some truth that it reminded you of as well? Because I, I, I could see your face when you were telling me that, and I could see the reflection of yeah, that, that, that time I, I talked to that person and they ended up passing away. It was the last time I talked to them. And you just never know when the last time it's going to be that you talk to somebody. Do, do you feel like that you, you gain something, a, a new perspective in that sense? Well, it, it was a reminder, like you said, that we have got to make sure that we're ready to go to meet our maker every, every minute, every day, every day. We can't pray too many times during the day. We can't re repent too many times during the day. We, we just need to always have Jesus on our mind, you know, while we're going about our business. I love that. Always having Jesus on our mind. That is so true. That is so true. And you know what, Anita, I'm guilty of this and, and, and at times is you get so caught up in what you're trying to do and what you're going to do and scheduling this and scheduling that. And, you know, I got to be here and I got to be there and I got to be somewhere else. And, and you almost get so, so busy with the things that you're doing that you forget that life is but a vapor. You know, I could be running to the grocery store and not make it home. You know, I could be running here, there and everywhere you know, it, and, and just not make it home, but you, but you don't live in fear. And, and I hope that folks, I hope that you understand one thing. Living in fear 
is no life at all. And we saw that with the pandemic. We saw people who lived in fear that were just constantly in fear. And we're still surrounded by fear. It, 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 it is, it's not that we live in fear. It's that we're vigilant. You know, we're watchful. We know that, that at any moment it, that we could go, but it, but it doesn't keep us from living our lives. Doesn't keep us from moving forward. Doesn't keep us from having great conversations like this. And so thank you for sharing that with me. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. I want to talk to Anita about her art and her books. Being an author myself. Now, I'm no artist. You would not want me to paint anything. In fact, I had trouble painting this green wall that I sh that I have as a green screen behind me. I had trouble. I have trouble painting a wall, let alone painting on a canvas. We're going to talk to Anita about that, and later we're going to dive into her story. My guest, artist, author, Anita Burkett, joining me on the Intentional Courage podcast. Back in a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Anita, let's dive in now to your, to your work. I want to talk to you about art and, and author. Which came first in your life? being an artist or being an author and which one do you lean to more do you lean to the to the art side or does the the writing come more naturally to you that's kind of hard to say uh the paintings came first that was after my my husband at the time left me of course i don't associate my art with him but i mean that's how it happened Do you, let me ask you this, and you have to have, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself here, just thinking out loud here, do, do, was that a talent that, that, it, that was hidden within you? Because the reason I say that is, is some people learn, they develop, they have a, they, they, they learn they have a talent later in life as opposed to earlier in life. And here's what I mean by that. I had been singing in church since I was three years old. Doesn't matter. I could sing anytime, anywhere. It doesn't because I've always done it. But some things later in some things have happened later in life to me that they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe I didn't know I did that. Kind of like, you know, kind of like when you get older. And I'll be 50 next year. Kind of like when you get older, it's like, well, I didn't I didn't like sweet potatoes for a lot of years and then several years ago i decided i like sweet potatoes and i really like sweet potatoes i guess my taste changed 
for you, did you did you just kind of discover painting? Or was it a hit? Do you feel like now that it was something hidden within you that it just took that moment of of that tra that trauma in your life to bring that out as a, as a source of healing? I was surprised. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly how I, I mean, I know that that happened, you know, that he left me, but I don't remember why that I turned to that. I don't remember that part, but I mean, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know that I could even draw anything more than a stick person. I mean, I didn't know I could. So I don't know. That's all I remember. I remember, <laughs> I remember why. And then I remember I started doing it. Well, I, I, and I don't, the first, the first one was awful, but anyway. Well, it struck me funny because that sounds like me. It's like, well, I could draw, I can draw a nice stick person. And I think I saw somebody, uh, I saw somebody drawing the other day and they said like, this is flat Stanley or something like that. The little guy with the stick figure, that's, that's about as good as I get. Take me through the first time you started painting. What emotions came out of you when you began to paint i'm really fascinated by that because i'm a big fan of bob ross i love i could sit down for hours and watch bob ross paint i'm just captivated by that level of talent and how easy that he made it appear like well you could do this and i'm like no i can't do that but he made me feel like that i could do what he was doing and it captivated me when you painted for the, you mentioned that you thought it was awful. Was it something, the first time that you put paint to canvas, was there something that came out of you? Or how, how did you feel as you began to paint more and do more paintings? I remember I was happy that I could, uh, figure that people could figure out what it was supposed to be, even though, you know, the first one looked really awful. And then I got to be better and, then in the grief share class, uh, this man at church bought, I don't know, he bought several little paintings. I mean, they were, they were really small and he gave me a humongous amount of money for it. And I'm thinking, okay, he must be feeling sorry for it, you know. <laughs> but then I started going to different events and selling them and sell them sometimes at church. So I just kept doing it. And it made me, it made me feel happy that people could actually look at it and see what it was. They could tell what it was. If you could sit down and paint anything, do you paint more? You have the people like Bob Ross's that did like the nature scape and, and those are beautiful. And, and, and I knew a man years ago that ran an art studio in a small town in West Virginia. And, and they just look, the people there just look, I would go in on Thursday morning because part-time he also did uh, catering at a, at a, he also did catering and bought food from me. And I would go in on Thursday morning to this art studio, Anita, and the people there just look so happy to be there, just so peaceful. And they were just focused on their work. But they were just, they, they weren't, you know, you see people that are bearing down on stuff. And they got this real, you know, just this real tight thing on their face. Like they're really concentrating. I didn't see that. As I'm looking back in my mind's eye now, 
I saw people that were genuinely happy to be sitting in front of a canvas and taking something from their mind and putting it on a canvas, their interpretation of a, of a waterfall, their interpretation of a mountain. And in fact, Larry was the man's name. He gave me a painting and it had all my favorite colors in it, teal and burnt, burnt like a burnt orange and just beautiful. And I can still visualize that painting. And I think to myself, oh my goodness, this was incredible. What did painting do for you in those moments? Did it bring you tranquility? Did it bring you peace? Take me through the process, if you would, of what painting did for your emotions and how it helped you heal. The best thing I can say is that painting helped me to be happy. And I mentioned in one of my book, the art book that I, I want my paintings to make people well, make them think happy thoughts. And listening, I love that. Listening, happy thoughts. Yeah. Cause because I, I would watch I would watch those Bob Ross PBS specials, Anita. And I would always just kind of chuckle and he would go, I'm gonna paint a happy little tree here and a happy little cloud. And I thought it must be nice to be that that mellowed out all the time, you know, but it was so good. I want to talk real quick about your books and we'll get into a little bit more of it. Was was writing harder for you or easier for you than painting? Because here's why I ask when people say when people ask me about my book, my book was hard because I had to edit and re-edit and I wrote about my dad. And so there was the emotions about it. And I can, I can probably surmise, maybe I'm, I'm assuming too much, but there were some emotional things in your book that you had to power through and, and things like that. Was it easier or harder for you painting or writing? I think it was easier doing the actual painting but of course, with both of them, there were emotions, you know. I mean, the reason why that I was doing it. I want to I want to go here for a minute, if we can. I want to go here for just a second. Were you scared? Which, which scared you more? And forgive me for asking these lines of questions, because I want to... I feel like there are people that are listening to this conversation that say to themselves, I've been in that situation. I've had somebody leave me and I needed to channel my grief in a certain way. When you think about the writing and, and, the, and the painting and things like that, was there a time that, that you were, that you were scared to put it out there? Because I think at some point, every author that writes a book is a little nervous about putting themselves out there or just saying, do I really want to be that transparent with my life? Because my folks always said to me, son, don't tell everything you know. Another West Virginia saying, don't tell everything you know. In other words, keep things to yourself a little bit. But I wanted to be a little transparent with the book to, to have some relativity. Were you more scared to let your paintings go or your book or to do your book? 
a definite, definite answer on that. I was definitely afraid to put my books out there. There were, well, circumstances that I didn't want certain people, I'll just say I didn't want certain people to know who I was. And that's why that I uh, came out with the name Jada Elise Mitchell. That has a special name, I mean, a special meaning. And I mentioned this at church one time, telling her about the book. I was excited about the book, but I didn't want people, you know, I still didn't want people to know I was the author. And she told me, she listened to Jesus and she said, Anita, they need to know, they need to know that's from you. And I said, but, 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 and I started telling her all of the stuff. She said, Anita, they need to know. And I was so excited on my drive home from church that day, 30 minutes anyway, each way. I got home. I couldn't wait till I got on Facebook, and I told people that I was that I was Jada Elise Mitchell. And of course, one of the guys that I go to church with, he already knew. But anyway, I love that. I was afraid for people. To, I was afraid for people to know that I was the author. But whenever I did, it was such a release. It was such a release. Well, and and I have had. But then I still had. No, go ahead. Please go ahead. Excuse me. No, go ahead. I still added my name. I still added my name to it, though. Did you so feel I, like... I had the pen name and my name. Did you feel like adding that for you freed you to really be able to help people? Because I've had... I have, I've, I've had an author that that on the podcast that is that has a, a a pen name like that and and i i know who he i know his real name and i have him in my phone and we text occasionally because of the same thing he's like brian i wanted to tell my story but i didn't want people to know it was me i didn't want people to know i wanted them to connect with the story and he felt like there would be repercussions to it when you finally put your name on that Walk me through the release that you felt in that moment, because some people, and here's what I say, and we'll take a quick break. Some people would say, no, I'm not going to be obedient to that because I, I, I don't want to deal with the repercussions. But it was obvious that that sister in your church really felt strongly like that it was going to be okay. And she was being obedient to the voice of the Lord that she heard in telling you what you needed to hear. You mentioned the, the release that you felt. Take me through what happened after that when people finally found out it was you. What kind of response did you get? Well, I remember that I couldn't wait to get home so that I could let people know. Then I remember telling people, showing people. And I wasn't afraid that my pastor would say, oh, well, Anita, something, he would say something about the book sometimes. And I remember being paranoid, thinking, oh, my goodness, they're going to know that I have a book, you know, <laughs> like that's the only book in the world. But I started bringing them to church during the art and uh, music night. I started going to vendor events. And I wasn't afraid for people to know at work that I was the author. Like a friend, she would have the book on 
her desk and I remember thinking, oh, Janet, they might know it's me, you know, because of the name, Mike, and it, just all these crazy thoughts. <laughs> it, it sounds it sounds funny now, but I'm just very glad that I'm not afraid for people to know it's me. It's like your baby. I've read the book. Yeah, it's like your baby, isn't it? You 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 you've lived with it. It's been and and obviously I've never been a mother. Obviously, never been a mother. But I lived with that story within me for a couple of years, two or three years. And then when you finally, and I'll share this real, and I don't know what your experience was like, Anita. I remember Amazon, the, 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 the delivery driver pulling up from Amazon with my books. And I think I had like three or four cases of books that they delivered. And I was thinking to myself, I opened it up and I got emotional holding it in my hand because I remember all the, the restaurants and the hotels and the, and the, the flights that I'd written on. And it just was emotional for me. Was it, a, did you have a similar emotion the first time you held your book in your hand? Yes, I think so. I mean, other people, they would, they might look at the book and think, oh, well, okay, that's nice. But I mean, to them, it's just a book, you know, with pretty colors on it and things. But to me, like you said, it's the memories. It's the memories of what I had, what I lost, my art, which told a story. It's just, it's definitely different when it's your book. Yeah. You can't just see the picture of it. You see everything that's inside and all the things that you went through. All kinds of emotions. Yeah. And I don't think people understand that to the various emotions of writing a book because, you know, Anita, it, it, it is, especially when you tell a story, the emotions that come out of you, you, you want it to help somebody. And I don't, I don't, you know, I know for me, I wanted it to help somebody. For me, it was more about the legacy of honoring my dad. That was what I wanted to do. And so, you know, so my nieces and nephews that, that didn't, you know, that were little when, when he passed away, they would kind of know their, their pap a little bit better. And I put pictures and things like that. So I get it. I want to reserve some time. Let me, let's take a quick break. I want to reserve some time to tell your story because we could talk for hours about painting and books. And, and I, I want to make sure that we get to your story. So, um, my guest, author, artist, Anita Burkett, joins me this morning. We're going to take a real quick break, come back, come back with us on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. We are in the season of gift giving. Everywhere you go, whether you go to a store, you go online, the gifts are out to be gotten. I've got a gift idea for you I think you're going to love. It's my book, People Buy From People. 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, My Dad. If you know someone that would love to be a better connector, or you want to help them get there, People Buy From People is for them. Leaders, if you've got teams that you want to connect better, deeper, powerful, both internally and externally, People Buy From People is for them. If you want to connect like you've never connected before, pick up a copy of People Buy From People. You might say, Brian, where do I get a copy? Very simple. Go to Amazon.com, search People Buy From People, Brian Sexton. You'll find it right there. There's also a Kindle version available and an Audible version read by 
me. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and go today, get your copy. People buy from people. I promise you, you won't regret it. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Anita, I want you to dive into your story. Tell me your story real quick. And again, I want you to take me as far back as you want to go. I'm going to step aside and let you tell it from your perspective. You mentioned um, you, you, you had a husband that left you. you. You alluded to that. But take me back through your story as far back as you want to go. Okay, well... I got married when I was 37 (laughs) and I wasn't, I was still going to church some, but I wasn't, I wasn't doing how I knew to do. I'll just put it like that. I didn't pray about getting married. I just did it. And of course that was, that was. No, was was that your first marriage? Was that your first marriage? Yeah. Yes. 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 I've only been married once and it was to a much younger man. Well, I found out just within a few months that it was a mistake, but I didn't want people to know, you know, like they didn't know that it was a a mistake, you know. (laughs) But anyway, um, I was divorced in 2000. And then I guess around uh, nine months of 2007, 2007, I... A nice guy named Mike came to church, and he got the Holy Ghost. He was baptized. Uh, I reached out to him anyway because he didn't know anybody at the church. Of course, I'm sure he thought, oh, she likes me, you know. So he started sitting by me. Then he asked me out, and I thought it was to talk about a certain health problem that he had, but I found out it wasn't that. It was because he was interested in dating me. And then he passed away uh, three months before our wedding. And his his family treated me so wonderful, very, very wonderful. I'm still in contact with them. And my pastor was talking one night at church, a Sunday night, he was talking about writing a book And a thought came to me that I could write about the hurtful things that people say and do whenever they're trying to comfort you, whenever you're grieving, you know, after a loss. Then my pastor, he looked at it. He, he, of course, said he thought it could help people. He said, why don't you also tell the things that people can do and make it like an instruction book? Of course, it has many other things in it. You know, I added my art and different things. And then there was uh, the lady sitting in front of me. She said something. She made a comment one time about the women coming up and seeing my engagement ring. And the, the thought that she had is what prompted me to write the second book after my committee. Mm-hmm. And then the person that would have been my sister-in-law, she came out with the ideal of the art book. I got to ask if you don't mind me jumping in here real quick. I've got to ask. So Mike comes to church with you. And Mike comes to church. He's a new convert to the church. You guys begin talking and things like that. 
you you had gone through a painful divorce. You weren't even in, in your mind. You weren't were you were you open to the idea when 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 it first began to happen with you and Mike? Was there a part of you that was resistant, or were you were you in a place finally after about seven years where you could open your heart back up to somebody else? Because I've known people that have gone through divorce and they're just like it, it's the worst. It's the worst. And and thank God I've never gone through it. My parents were never divorced. In-laws never divorced. But w was there some trepidation for you exploring a new relationship? I think I probably was a little leery. Well, I mean, you know, yes, in case you haven't noticed, I'm a little sly, you know. So, <laughs> you know, it had been a long time. It had been a long time since I had been out on a date, you know. So that part definitely got to me but no I I could pretty well open up my heart I mean it was I felt like it was a God thing even though it ended the way that it did I, I just I just felt like it was a God thing do you feel like and, and I love what you said there about the God thing about being ready to to date again and things like that do you feel like God was even in that situation where you couldn't have known that he was going to pass like that and things like that? Do you felt like that God was trying to use that to heal your heart from what had happened before? How do you feel like God used that relationship with Mike, even though it didn't, it didn't end up the way you wanted it to? How did God use that to heal you? Well, I know it did heal me. I mean, the idea that someone, the idea that I would meet someone that would treat me better than any other man had. I mean, that was definitely a plus. Then I got to meet his family, which is Baptist, and they're still friends, some of them, to, uh, to this day. I mean, I feel like I call his sister my sister. And, you know, instead of sister-in-law. What do you think Mike would have I thought? I would of? hope, you know, that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I want you to go ahead there. Uh, can you repeat that? Here's where my mind was going when you were talking about that. You said. Mike's family became my family. You know, even though you guys were not married, you hadn't gotten the chance to be joined together as man and wife, you still felt that familial bond. What do you think Mike would think about the books? How do you think he would re how how do you think he would react? Because people have asked me, they said, "Well, how do you think your dad would react to the book?" and I'd say, "I think my dad would be proud." I think my dad would be proud that, that I did that. Um, and I have his picture three feet away from me. So I feel like my dad's with me. But how do you feel like Mike would, would have responded to those books? He would say, you're telling our personal business. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that's something I never thought I would be doing. And then the second book, it has a picture of a cow on it, a black and white cow. 
I used to like them like a lot. And he knew that. And he made a comment one time. And I put that comment on the front of the book. He said, I can't believe that I'm going through Walmart and I'm looking at dairy cows. <laughs> I love it. To me, it's a knickknack. But of course, him, it's, you know. <laughs> wow. That is so cool. Anita, I want to I want to be respectful of our time and the audience's time, and I, I'm so grateful for for that. And you know, I feel like that the reunion in heaven between you and Mike's going to be sweet. I really do. I feel like that that that, and it's not going to be long, folks. That we're going to be reunited. I'm going to be reunited with my dad. You're going to be reunited with Mike. For somebody that's walking through that place that you've walked through, either they're walking through divorce, they're walking through losing a spouse or losing someone really close to them, especially in this time. Can you share with me your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for those folks? There's always, there is always healing available from grief. And if Jesus brings you to something, he will bring you through it. Jesus knows everything that we're going through. He will comfort us. He's my very present help in time of trouble. He's definitely my peace speaker. He's changed my life for the better. Wow. Wow. Very powerful. Very powerful. We have that. I'm trying, not to, I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's, it's quite okay. We have that same saying above our fireplace. And when we walked through something, my family and I, about four and a half years ago, my wife found that and said, if God brings you to it, He'll bring you through it. And I'm thankful for that reminder today. Anita, tell folks where they can connect with you, how they can find both Mike and me books, how they can find your paintings. Let folks know how they can connect with you. Well, right now, my paintings, I just sell them in person. I have thought about putting them online, but I haven't. But my books are available on Amazon. And soon I'm going to be having another book come out, like maybe in about two weeks. It's called Listening to Jesus. Will that be available on Amazon? Uh, Amazon. Oh, uh, ebooks and uh, paperbacks. Awesome. Awesome. And you're also on social media a little bit too. Do you care to let folks know where they can find you on social media like I did? Uh, uh, I have stories. Uh, I write stories like I wrote, I wrote my testimonial about the plumbing problem and other things. Uh, uh, Mississippi Christian Writers Association. Awesome. Mississippi Writers, Mississippi Christian. If I could talk, that would be okay. Mississippi Christian Writers Association. That's yes. awesome. That's awesome. And we'll put and these. Have, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I have paintings by Anita Burkett on Facebook. 
paintings by Anita Burkett on Facebook. Oh, yes. Awesome. And then Anita Green Burkett, Jada Elise Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. I have a site on Facebook for my books. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll put those in the show notes, folks. We, we, we'll, we'll tell you everywhere that you can find Anita on Facebook, um, everywhere you can find her on her social media platforms. Anita, this has been awesome. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and your time. Folks, go find these paintings. Go find her books. It'll help you, especially. This is an important time, and this is why I wanted to have Anita on. The holidays typically are the hardest times for folks to go through. As we release this a, a, a couple weeks away from Thanksgiving, these are the hard times to go through. Then we got Christmas and New Year, so you definitely want to, if you need some help, I definitely encourage you to go pick up these books. Anita Burkett, thank you for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. It's been nice. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.